I hope you've all had a fantastic weekend. And it's yeah. okay. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Amen, brother. Um, now, I, I do hope you've all had a fantastic weekend. And I know for some of us, it's been a hard space. And for some of us, it's been a, a joyful space. And there's all sorts of emotions that go in between. And I'd like to just teach for a few moments on the, the third section of our psalm, which holds those two sets of emotions uh, together uh, in this last bit, in the understanding of what it means to praise God. And that word is misunderstood in our English language. And on your sheets, I'm not asking you to read through that this morning, but we worked hard this weekend to put some content together so you can take away uh, with you, and that's all on the desk or the table here or on the chairs about some of the things I'll talk this morning and what Dillis did speak about and uh, what I spoke about yesterday. And so I just want to read this section of the psalm and for the children to listen and the youth to listen and adults and all of us listen together, um, this last section of the psalm. So it starts at verse 31, and it starts off with this invitation to praise. So if you don't have it, um, listen to it as we open God's word together. And I pray, Father, as we listen to your word, as we hear some testimonies and people giving thanks as we break bread together, that there will be a real sense of praise in our midst. And I really invite again for us to go deeper into this place of worship and praise and we thank you you're with us and we thank you that you're here and we thank you that waves of mercy are flowing through us in us now by your spirit we pray this in jesus name amen so this last section of the psalm is bookended by uh, two words praise and uh, consideration uh, praising God and then considering how we apply all of this in our lives. And the psalm is very intentional about that as it holds the past, present and future together in our own context as we leave this place and how we'll apply God's word. So lift your hands and give thanks to God. Let's do that. Let's lift our hands and give thanks to God. Thank you, God. Wow. <laughs> you guys are so thankful, it's amazing. I can't wait to get to heaven. Hey, Jesus, thank you. Any chance of a cup of tea? So lift your hands and give thanks to God for his marvelous kindness and for his miracles of mercy for those he loves. Let's exalt him on high and lift up our praises in public. Let all the people and the leaders of the nations know how great and wonderful Yahweh is, our God. Whenever he chooses, he can dry up a river and turn the land into a desert, or he can take a fruitful land and make it into a saltwater swamp, all because of the wickedness of those who dwell there. But he can also turn a barren wilderness into an oasis with water. He can make springs flow in desert lands and turn them into fertile valleys so that cities spring up. And he gives it all to those who are what? Hungry. They can plant their fields and vineyards there and reap a bumper crop and gather a fruitful harvest. 
God will bless them and cause them to multiply and prosper. But others will become poor, humbled because of their oppression, tyranny and sorrows. For God pours contempt upon their arrogant abuse of power, heaping scorn upon their princes and making them wander among ruins. Here we have this word again. But he raises up the poor and lowly with his favour, giving them a safe place to live where no one can touch them. God will grant them a large family to bless them. The lovers of God will rejoice when they see all this. Good men and women are glad when the evil ones are silenced. If you are truly wise, you'll learn from what I've told you. It's time now for you to consider these profound lessons of God's great love and his mercy. And so in essence, this psalm, as I was saying yesterday, has two uh, meanings. It's got a higher level meaning, uh, which essentially what's happening in the higher level is the, um, the, the writer of the psalm is challenging the leaders of the day who were oppressing the people and oppressing them uh, through powerful manipulation and controlling them and not allowing them to be who they're meant to be. And then the lower level is this encouragement for everyone to live a life of rejoicing and of praise and of thanksgiving. And this uh, juxtaposition or tension between two very different places, on one side a desert and the other side an oasis. And God is encouraging people to move into that place of oasis. And that's what this weekend we hope has been about, encouraging that place to drink deeply and flow freely. And for us that will be challenging or that will be easy depending on how we've come into this space. But what I love about this psalm is that it covers the economy and the breadth of how we all feel sometimes. It doesn't just um, talk about those who are on the, the lofty and high places in a good space. It also recognizes barrenness and brokenness and desert places, but it encourages both of those groups to actually come into this place of rejoicing and praise. And the word praise, you know, when I, I see the children and I see them up the front and they, they love to um, do the actions and they love to sing and they love to praise God. And the older we get, we become probably more conditioned with our upbringing and the surroundings we find ourselves in uh, to be fearful, like I was taught by yesterday, what people think about us and what we look like and... One of my favorite people in the Bible is King David, who he, was, um, he never compromised about his desire to praise God. And one of the best um, stories of David is when he kind of stripped off his royal robes and he ran down through the main streets of Jerusalem in his jocks, uh, basically, uh, praising, now the youth look up at me. <laughs> so youth next Wednesday, we're all going to do it in our jocks. How about that? Parents, that's a joke. So, um, but he, he, he did, he did, he, the royal robes were a symbol of status and a Jewish man would never remove his robes. Um, but when David removed himself and he was basically just in his ephod, as, as it was called, he, he ran um, and Milka, who was his wife, um, said, looked down with him in disdain because it's not the done thing to do when we throw off our inhibitions and praise God. And that's something which is really important for adults 
to remember and that's why we're really pressing into the vision of children's ministry at the moment with that vision Sunday recently. But I want to talk about this word praise um, just for a, a few moments because I think it's important and it's, it's misunderstood. I've told this story before and I'll, I'll tell it again because you might not have heard it on a Sunday. But I think particularly for Irish, Irish men, if, if I can say the, the idea of praising God or being in church with our hands held high or expressing ourselves. Maybe for some of us, I know for me, um, growing up, that was certainly not the dumb thing to do. And for maybe more introverts, it's, it's a strange thing to do as well. But I remember inviting a friend to church um, to come to Holy Trinity. It was about a year ago. It was about last, um, I think it was last August or thereabouts, because it was before the All-Ireland Farland between Dublin and Kerry. And uh, he came along to church and we had a, a particular um, time of praise in our sung worship. And people, women and men, children alike, responding and raising hands in worship, uh, kneeling in worship, um, visibly emotional as the spirit was moving. And the guy that I brought along, I went for lunch uh, afterwards um, to uh, talk about the service. And... Um, well, I'm not that bad, am I? <laughs> hope you're okay. I hope you're all right, Sam, is it? You know. um, so, anyway, so I went for lunch afterwards, and um, I said, so what did you think? And uh, he said, yeah, a real sense of community, and I, I loved the, the sense that people were coming together, and the whole hands in the air is a bit weird, though. It's a bit strange, isn't it? It's not really the done thing to do, you know? very strange. I don't think that's what you do when you go to church. So anyway, we talked a bit about that. And then the next week or the week after, I can't remember, he invited me along to the All-Ireland Final. He's a big Dub fan and he got some tickets to go to Crow Park. And um, we were standing in Hill 16 or just off Hill 16 on the right. And in the first half, Kerry were doing really well. And they scored a goal, I think it was just before half time. And um, all the Kerry guys uh, put their hands in the air and they're like, come on, the kingdom! All these men screaming and shouting for, for the kingdom. And uh, I, I said nothing. Um, <laughs> and then it came to the second half and um, Dublin scored a goal, I think, in the first five minutes. And there was my friend, like he was literally almost crying with his hands in the air, uh, offering himself to the, the Gaelic god uh, of... <laughs> And so Dublin ended up winning, and it was brilliant, uh, five in a row, a fantastic celebration. Anyway, I went for a pint with him afterwards, and he says, what do you think of the game? I said, oh, it was amazing. But the whole hands in the air is a bit weird, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just tell that story because we don't have to do that. And it's in often some cultures and churches, you feel like you have to do that to be in or accepted, or you're almost, fo that's not what it's about. But in both of those situations, there was a response like this psalm is talking about, a response to God's joy and his, his moving people from a desert place to an oasis in the midst of the trouble, the oppressive tyranny of the leadership of the day, whatever is going on, or don't go into it because it's a longer talk, there was a response of praise. Now praise is, uh, and thanks to Julie McKinley, where is Julie? Is she here? I hope she is, yeah, there's Julie. Julie's our resident Hebrew scholar. Can we give her a round of applause there? So I, I, I 
I want us just for a few moments to think about this word praise. And because this psalm, uh, if, you, if you noticed and as you read through it, there is one verse that is repeated four times throughout the, throughout the psalm. And it's, it's repeated uh, after a particular time when the psalmist is talking about something that is difficult, but they've seen God break through in the difficult times. And in the New Living Translation, which I've had printed off here, it's slightly different to the Passion, that line in, ver- in, in verses 8, 15, 21 and 31, when people have seen God move and break through the difficult times, it says, let them praise the Lord for his great love, for the wonderful things he has done. And the psalm would have been uh, sung, as I said yesterday, and then the people would have responded to this line uh, after that stanza of the very section of the psalm. And they would have said, after remembering what God had done in the hard times, the people would say together, let them praise the Lord for his great love and his wonderful things that he has done. And so this psalm is basically punctuated by this verse of the importance of praising God. But praise in the English language is limited. And thanks to to Julie last week, I was emailing her and asking her, you know, this Hebrew word of praise, uh, what does it actually mean? And as I said in the beginning, not going to go down through this whole sheet, but I do want us to just think about the breadth of praise. And it isn't always the hands in the air. It isn't always, um, I'm definitely wired that way, and I'm definitely, uh, that's when I'm thankful to God, I respond like that. And I, and I did put my hands up in the air when Dublin beat Kerry as well. But praise is broken down into these seven words, um, which are written on that sheet, and I hope you all have access to them, and I'm not going to go down through everything, but the first word is, uh, and sorry for the pronunciation, Julie, uh, is, is yada. And that means to throw or to cast or to confess. And I was doing a bit of research myself, and a huge element of praise uh, is confessing um, and coming into that space of saying sorry to God. And that seems counterintuitive, but it's throwing off the things which are hindering us. It's, it's, it's moving from that place of being weighed down to, to, to throwing off and being in that place of freedom. That's what confession is. It's, it says, look, I'm sorry and accepted back into that place. Or the second word, uh, halal, which is the, the, the root word of hallelujah. And again, doing some research into that, it means to shine like a, a light that shines in the darkness, like a candle in a dark room. When you light it, it shines. And when, when we praise, we shine to the world. Or the third word, shabak, to laud or praise or to congratulate And a lot of times in the Jewish custom, praise was congratulating God for what he had done and blessing him and praising him. Our zamar is to make music and that's why the psalms uh, that we sing are very much a part of the the music and playing to the music that is worship is so important. Toda is thank you or thanksgiving. And this is the one that I particularly love which is the opposite to the hands in the air, uh, which is Barack, where Barack Obama comes from, um, which is 
and I'd love to speak more about this than I will in the coming season, is to kneel. It's to kneel in worship. And when you kneel, everything changes. Your perspective, I can't see you all now. <laughs> but a lot of times, there's a need to just kneel. And it's a more of a quieter sense of coming in praise. And in the traditional liturgy in Holy Trinity, there's a lot more kneeling as part of the liturgy, which is a very important aspect. But sometimes you and I, in our praise, we need to just kneel in reverence, in silence, in, in, um, in offering ourselves to God. And then the last one is, um, how do you pronounce this, Judy, this last one? Te tehila? Tehila, tequila. I love that one. Tequila, expressing public adoration from a deep place. Okay, tequila, expressing public adoration from, and I think it's the deep place. So praise isn't shallow. And you know, if you are going through something particular, and I want you to hear me in this, if you're going through something um, that you need breakthrough in, or you know someone who is going through difficult times, praise is a real, is, is, a, is, is a, both a key and a weapon in the kingdom of God. It's a key that opens up doors, but it's also a weapon uh, oftentimes against things, and I, and I say this with a qualification because I'm not a medic, against, and I found out my own life, of, of dark thoughts and uh, depression and anxiety. And when I, as I was speaking about yesterday, and I was two years very difficult, the only thing that would lift off, and it was so counterintuitive for me, was praise. And we'd put on worship, myself and Dillis, and we'd praise. Sometimes we'd read from the hymnal some of the old hymns, and we would just praise God. And they, they, they cover all these seven aspects of praise. And the situation didn't dramatically change. Sometimes it did, but usually it didn't. But my disposition changed. And so praise is a key and a weapon. And it seems counterintuitive because you don't feel like doing it, but... It's something that the psalmist tells us in Psalm 107. and all the psalms, there's an element of praise. And this one is punctuated these four times by a call to praise. So praise does a few things. It, it gets our focus off ourselves and back to God. It's the opposite of the selfie culture. I love selfies, you know. Um, <laughs> nothing wrong with them. Um, but there's something about praise is... Um, offering uh, ourselves and getting ourselves out of the way and putting God in that place. And that can be in any of these seven ways. Um, and sometimes it's kneeling, sometimes it's there with the hands in the air. But it, it actually uh, changes our worldview. And as I sold yesterday, it just helps us, uh, not, not um, what we're looking at, but what we're looking through, if you remember I said yesterday. And praise, it helps change our worldview and the situation we're in. Praise moves us from darkness to light. It says in Psalm 22.3, God inhabits the praises of his people. And it says in 1 Peter 2.9, Remember in your praise that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're a peculiar people of praise a peculiar people of praise, that you should show forth your offering and praise to God who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again, praise 
is there moving us from darkness to light. And then lastly, our spirits are refreshed and renewed when we praise God. Psalm 16 and Psalm 63 say, In his presence there is a fullness of joy. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. And so we have this word praise, which we think of just like, I say this as a, a song maybe the children do, or it's, it's, a, it's a song that we're meant to feel good in. It's so much more than that. It's a lifestyle. And it's, it's something which is not just about singing. It's about living. And it's something that we can put into practice, young or old, because there's people in our community who are young and old, and, and it's very important that we all have this idea of praise uh, in our community. And so I want to break that idea that praise is just the hands in the air. It, it very much is a part of that. But it's a full economy of a lifestyle. I'd really encourage you to take this sheet away and think about how you can apply praise to various aspects in your own life. And as you leave this place, myself and Dillis have a phrase which actually isn't isn't ours. We stole it from Michelle Obama, which is a good person to take a phrase from. And she says in her biography, she was talking not so much about praise, but she was speaking about the difficult times in her own life. She says, uh, when people go low, we go high. And herself and Barack lived this mantra out that they were surrounded constantly by pressure and tension and people constantly trying to pull them down and they just found themselves being sucked into gossip and all sorts of things which kind of cling and bring us away from that place of joy. And they coined this phrase that they would live a life that when people go low, they would go high. Myself and Dillis try and live that life uh, from the Psalms, that when we feel low or down or struggling, or when you, people we know, because we spent a lot of time uh, especially myself in the mornings, praying for the community and knowing the things people are going through. I, I take a name, I won't say a name, but like I would praise on behalf of that person in the morning. Uh, and I, I Dillis doesn't know what's going on in the room as I'm, I'm doing that. Uh, but I'm, 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 I'm actually acting as an advocate um, through praise. And as, as, as people go low, we go high. And then secondly, this is another thing myself and Dillis live out in this idea of praise is that we always praise God in relation to the cloud that is over us. Let me just say that again. We praise God in relation to the, cl the cloud that was over us. So the heavier we feel and the harder things are, we kind of ramp up our praise even more. And again, that seems counterintuitive. It's not always dancing and joyful worship, sometimes it's kneeling and coming from that deep place. And so this psalm is a, a really important one for the reasons we've gone through, but the word that is used in this psalm, in Psalm 107, for these four verses, is the word for praise is uh, defined as thankful. It's, it's that importance of being thankful, todath, 
T-O-D-A-H. And I'd love us as we go from this place to actually have an opportunity to praise now, which we will, and Gina and the band are going to lead us in some worship. But I would love us um, to have a, an opportunity about five past 11. Um, after we worship, we're going to have an opportunity to share some testimonies and a, an opportunity to give thanks to Toda together, to praise together in thankfulness. And some people, oh, some people have written their names, but that's suddenly, I think we could discern that. That's great. But there is some people who do want to share uh, and be thankful. And as Derek was reminding me yesterday that we, we live through the, the blood of the lamb, but also the testimonies of the people. And testimonies are so important. And oftentimes we've heard testimonies and they can maybe put us under pressure or they can make us feel guilty. I'm talking about testimonies that are rooted in thankfulness and in praise. It could be something small, it could be something big, but we'd love to go out from this place thankful. Amen, Mike? Amen. Amen. <laughs> so let's just take a moment uh, considering praise in our own lives. And let's think of praise as a key and praise as a weapon. Praise is a tool, perhaps, is even a better word than a weapon. And let us think about our children. Let us think about our lives. Let us think about our families. Let us know that God can break through the situation, whatever you're in, and ask for his, his spirit as we just sit before we praise God ourselves.